everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crystal Clodcast. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm here as ever with Mia. Hello. That was the first intro we recorded that you know of. Yeah, definitely the first <laughs> intro that you know of. And Retta. Hello. Yeah, I may have started the thing by trying to introduce myself as Laura, then saying the name of the show, and then trying to introduce myself as Laura again. Mm. It got very confusing. It's fine. It's fine. It's, yeah. it's just kind of sleepy and groggy podcast this time we're doing we're doing an evening podcast i I just sat and ate a tub of beans while getting ready it's it's a weird i've had like a giant pizza recently so i'm all full and ready for bed and i'm currently sucking on an ice pop so Uh, there you go (laughs) today is episode 18 of the clodcast we will be talking about five episodes we will be talking about episode 84 stephen floats episode 85 drop beat dad Episode 86, Mr. Greg. Episode 87, Too Short to Ride. And episode 88, The New Lars. It's a pretty good batch of episodes, this yeah, one, I must yeah. say. A bit different from um, recent episodes. It's not as strong of a theme, I think, with these. No, but there is one episode that is a strong <laughs> theme all to itself, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get there. So, we'll start off with episode 84, Stephen Floats. Anyone got anywhere they'd particularly like to start on this? So this is the one that begins with them finally back from the barn. Mm. Like, we have now moved back to the beach. It, and I, I like that they acknowledge in-universe that they have been gone for ages and that there are consequences to that. Yeah, because it's, it's been a while. Like, the last few episodes have well, been all at It's the been led to believe it's the whole time they've been building the drill. Yeah, like, the earthquakes that were taking place leading up to the cluster and everything, like, they haven't been back during any of that. Which explains why Stephen missed some TV and his food has gone bad. Yeah. <laughs> But he was saying hello to everything that he's missed. So he's like, oh, hello, Big Donut. Hello, yeah. everything. It is quite <laughs> like, oh, Stephen. The, the Big Donut's a good one to mention because it's the focal point of this episode, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, the Big Donut have started baking their own donut uh, donuts because a lawsuit got thrown out. Well, that's the big explosion that was the in the back. The explosion on the wall. Apparently, like, they managed to get away legally with that and as such, they can bake things mm-hmm. again. And... Stephen just wants the first donut of the day. That is his dream now. Yeah. Forget, like, you know, save the world or anything, <laughs> or fight off the diamonds. He just wants his donut. Yeah, he's kind of done with all that magic stuff. Like, who was his mother? He doesn't care anymore. <laughs> it's just the donut. The one thing that I really like that Stephen says is, I don't know if I'm hungry enough for a meal. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephen learns he can float... Because he's very, 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 very happy. Yeah, Yeah, it's very clearly his emotions that trigger this power. This this is the thing we've talked about a lot. It's emotional state is a big factor for Stephen being able to use any of his powers. Yeah, Um, I mean, this is the episode where it really spells it out. hmm. Do you want to float? Be happy. Do you want to fall? Be sad. Mm -hmm. That's the basic maths of this episode. Control your abilities using your emotions. Mm -hmm. I mean, that sounds difficult, like... Yeah, like being happy and sad on cue. Yeah, huh? that just is very easy to do. No, that's a skill to be learned. Yeah, um, it would be good. I can see that being a very good kind of self-care thing. Like yeah. Stephen, be happy. Okay, done. <laughs> so Stephen realizes he can float or fly or whatever you want to call it, and he just goes up and up and up and gets this beautiful vista of Beach City. Mm-hmm. Absolutely gorgeous shot. Realizes he doesn't know how to come down. Is 
Am I remembering right that like an airplane goes past yep. and mentions that like there may be boys in the sky? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Is this a thing that happens often? <laughs> like just people floating? No, but the crystal gems might go past the airplanes at times because we know they can jump high. I think the airline knows. Like, this is the weird part of well, the sky. Well, Amethyst got, kept getting thrown into the red eye, so you never know. That's true. But um, what I was going to say about the plane is mm. that on the tail fin of the plane, uh, it's three diamonds. Yes. It's <gasps> it's the shape of the four diamonds, but with the bottom one missing. Yeah. Is the, the bottom one's white, isn't it? The bottom one's pink, top one's white. Oh, pink is the missing yeah. one. Oh, because pink is shattered. shattered. Yeah. Okay. So that's... there you go. So the diamonds own an airline. <laughs> <laughs> I like to believe this is canon. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he realizes he can't fall down. Amethyst comes out. Stephen tries to shout to Amethyst. <laughs> uh, Amethyst cannot hear Stephen. It's a whole big thing. Yeah. Well, this is an Amethyst sees him. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, she goes, can Stephen fly? Yeah, is, is that... Yeah. I, 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 I think remember I remember that. that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, Amethyst, no, what are you doing? So Amethyst eventually realises Stephen's not supposed to be able to fly mm. and jumps up to hear Stephen. And I have the transcript because Stephen's not terribly good at getting his message yeah, across up there. The joke being he's delivering this in the longest way possible. Okay, uh, I, I, I need to ask quicker. I could really use your assistance dealing with the sudden appearance of a power previously on the notes to me, which I can't control. <gasps> go get Garnet. <laughs> like, that's the ultimate point, yeah. is go get Garnet. That's like a good solution to most problems that the Crystal Gems mm-hmm. have. Yeah. Garnet always knows the solution, yeah, it's fine. Exactly. Um, so we see the rest of the Crystal Gems come out, and Pearl is just screaming and panicking. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She is not holding this together well. No. I mean, it's... I feel like Pearl in this episode, I mean, whether it's just played for humour or not, she seems quite affectionate towards Stephen, maybe more so than usual. This is the first time he's been in, like, a real perilous situation that she personally cannot do anything to fix. It's... She does seem to really be worried. Mm. I, I don't know... This is the thing about Pearl. She seems much more affectionate to Stephen here than in previous episodes, and I don't know what triggers that change in yeah, that's what I'm saying. level like, of affection. I'm, I'm not sure if it's just a comedic thing. Or if it's because if Stephen fell from that height, he'd probably destroy his own gem, so Rose wouldn't come There's back There's no ever. chance of getting Rose back. Yeah, you can get stabbed fine, Stephen, because Rose might come back, but no falling <laughs> yeah, from like, great no, heights. Oh, protect your gem. Um... Garnet needs a phone to contact Stephen, and as such, steals Kofi's phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just leaps off screen, smashes the window, leaps back. It's like, you, I have and a you, phone. You hear the car alarm as well. Mm-hmm. I, I respect her resourcefulness. Yeah, it shows it's another instance of the gems not really being that considerate towards the property mm-hmm. of humans. I think it, with them, though, it's kind of like Stephen's more important and we need to deal with. Yeah. This situation. Because Garnet's not going to keep the phone. And it is in the middle of the night, to be fair. Yeah. Mm. You know, she did the, the right thing. She avoided having to wake Kofi up in the middle of the night. <laughs> she was doing him a favour and a service, yeah. really. It's not like she mugged anyone or anything. Yeah. The phone was just lying there. Just uh, some minor property damage in order yeah. to borrow something without permission. Mm. I mean, let's be honest. The gems have done a lot of property damage to Beach City over the months. Yeah. <laughs> but usually it's to save people, not to steal their phones. That's true. Um, Rose could regulate the speed of her descent. Yeah, she could control how fast she fell, too. 
Yeah. I love those amethyst lines where yeah. she just like clearly doesn't get what's mm-hmm. going on for mm-hmm. a second. Yeah, that's amusing. Um, we get a fun and games montage all night long. Yeah, so they keep them company and they stay up and. I have to say, I think it's hilarious that amethyst amethyst chaos a seagull with a bag of chaps. Chaps. Mm-hmm. I I quite enjoyed the game of chess that was going on with like jumping up <laughs> to take each move. Mm. I'm not sure, like... It's not very fair playing against Garnet, yeah, though. Yeah, Future Vision. Like, surely, like, a logic-based game. Yeah, but to be fair, she does have, like, an incredibly limited time window in which to make each move <laughs> because she has to do it at the apex of her jump before she falls Right, again. okay. So it's kind of, like, balancing out, you think? Yeah, she's got Future Vision, but also she needs to physically have time to find the piece, move it, and, like, get her hand off before yeah, she falls. okay. She's at a slight disadvantage. One thing I was thinking during this bit, which I think is kind of cool, is this highlights that Steven is doing something that the gems cannot do at all. Yeah. Like, they cannot fly up there and join him. That that's He has a power them. that they don't. Yeah. And eventually he could, you know, end up being leader of the Crystal Gems because mm-hmm. he can do yeah. things they can't. And he can just fly around and they can't do anything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the leader. Yeah. Look at me. I can fly. Can you do that now? Yeah. It's uh, not very fast, though. Yeah, you told me to go to bed. Well, uh, try and make me to go to bed when I'm up in the sky. <laughs> Can't have me up here. There's, there's no bedtimes up here, no, mums. No. It would be a nightmare trying to uh, look after a rebellious teen who has Stephen's powers. Yeah, you'd have to kind of lasso them and like tie them to something. Yeah, it's just like, no. It'd have to be like a friggin' uh, prison. Just like you are chained to the floor. Mm. No more escaping for you. Um... So Stephen's alarm goes off. He realizes, oh, it's morning time. I want to fall down, get my donut. Oh no, it's mm-hmm. too late. I'm already too late. I miss my donut. Um, and we get a very sad transcript of "I'm sad. I don't get my donut" yeah. from Stephen. That I think is they'll feed my donut to a dog and then I'll die. <laughs> it, it starts out kind of practical and like, yeah, this will probably happen, and then just descends into nonsense. Yeah, it starts off like, you know, probably Petey will get it, he'll be up for his morning jog, Mr. Smiley will have the second, Lars will will embezzle one, Ronaldo will get a mutant one, (laughs) Onion will, you know, take it for granted, Mayor Dewey will order a dozen, and then a dozen dozen (laughs) for the whole town, and then a dozen 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 for all the starving children of the world. (laughs) This is the part where it starts to fall apart. But not for Stephen, um... They'll say, where's Stephen? We saved a donut for him. They won't see me because I'm in the sky. And then they'll feed my donut to a dog and then I'll die. My last poor Stephen, I knew him well. <laughs> yeah, nice Shakespeare reference in there. I like that. I just want to uh, back it up for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, crap, what was that about? Do you oh, know where you're backing up? Yeah, when they were trying to weigh him down, so they like put a ship on top of him and are oh, jumping on top of the yeah, ship. Yeah, that sounds dangerous. Well, the thing that really got me is Stephen just clearly not caring at this point because it's not working, just chucks the ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's going to do some damage. I hope no one's below you, Stephen. Well, the ocean's probably <laughs> below him. That's where ships go. He wasn't over the ocean, though. He was by the sand. I he... think you hear it splash. If he threw it slightly to the side, it was probably in the water yeah. and fine. I swear you just hear a thunk. <laughs> you think just someone's just crushed. Yep, yep. Like Jamie's on his morning mailbag route. And That's why we never see him, him anymore. Because a boat we, landed we on... We do see him several yeah, times sh- in the future. Sh- nobody knows that. 
They will know it. This, don't be like Donald Trump and tell a lie that you know will get caught out. Um, but I read it on the internet. Sad Stephen starts to fall faster. He has learnt that his emotions control his falling speed. Mm-hmm. What makes Stephen happy enough to slow down his falling? Mum? No, that's a whole bag of worms I don't want to deal with. I do like how it touches on that. Like, yeah, that's not positive or negative. It's kind it's a of big a thing mess. to unpack. That's yeah. what it is. That's a bit too sad. I think he'd kind of plummet in that way. <laughs> I like that the gems end up being his happy memory. It's yeah, a really sweet way to resolve that situation. Like, they mm. stayed up all night. They looked after him. Yeah. They love him. He's lovely. Oh. It's not quite enough to stop him from falling so fast. As we it see. slowed down his descent <laughs> yeah, to a, a non-fable uh, degree. Um, Stephen is very sad because he missed it the first donut of the day. Garnet says, no time to explain. Off you go to the big donut. Because Stephen tries to give them a hug and Garnet commands <gasps> that he has to go to the big donut. Yeah, and then Pearl says... And Pearl goes, I would have liked a hug. Yeah. It turns out that it's Sunday and the big donut opens late and it's fine and Stephen gets his donut and it's a very silly way of us learning Stephen can fly. Yeah. Like, that's the episode, is Stephen can fly. When he's happy, he goes up. When he's sad, he goes down. That's 12 minutes. <laughs> Done. Done. <laughs> Um, it is cool. I do like the comedic episodes now and again. It and is a, say it's we, a nice palate cleanser. Yeah, and we get one and it's like, here is some plot and kind of some character development at the same time. Yeah, like so. even here when we're getting a comedic episode or a light-hearted episode, we are still learning about something new, which is, yeah. this is Stephen's new power and how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else to say about episode 84? That's me done. Right, let's move on to episode 85, Drop Beat Dad. Stephen is acting as a roadie in this episode for Sour Cream's DJ set. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has grand ambitions of like being a very big support role for Sour Cream, and yeah. Sour Cream's just like, I need someone to push the box. <laughs> I like that even in kind of his lofty fantasy, Stephen is still just a roadie. Yeah, like he, he's he's he wants to be kind of important and useful, but he he knows he's not the star of this show. That's fine. That's sour cream. Except he is the star of the show. Because <laughs> he does star. He wears a star. Yeah. That joke works um, on multiple levels. Yay! I want to say one thing. Yeah, mm. go ahead. Um, Sorry, I sounded like a petulant child then. But I want to talk. <laughs> That's um, fine. About the title, I was like, it's better than Deadbeat Dad, I suppose. That's where it's yeah. a play on, I am yeah. sure. I think so. And, and like, drop the beat as in, like, uh, a, a yeah. DJ frame. Yeah. Yep. There's sense. a couple of things that go into that, yeah. I think. Also, Stephen's finally wearing one of the vest tops that we see hung up on the washing line sometimes. Yes, he does occasionally wear them when he wants to be a roadie. They're his roadie shirts. Uh, Yellowtail is unhappy at Sour Cream being a DJ, wants him home by ten. Also has a briefcase full of fish. Yeah. Is, is that how he makes his living it's like Maybe. I went out fishing on the boat and I have like this briefcase full of fish to bring home sure why not why not I, I don't know anything about fishing maybe maybe fish come in briefcases I don't know you say they come in briefcases I'm picturing like you fish up a briefcase yeah, full just of like, a f- already ooh. briefcase of fish maybe I don't know I, is there different types of briefcases for different fish uh, there would have to be because yes. different sizes of fish obviously this is true to fit a big fish in, you'd need more than that briefcase that he had. <laughs> Imagine like the size of one bias. if you're trying to catch a whale. <laughs> um, so, uh, S- Yellowtail p- makes the point to Sour Cream that he 
we, we don't hear this said, but we can infer from context the point of you shouldn't be putting all this time into trying to be a DJ because it's not a viable career. And Let him be a DJ. Let him be a DJ. <laughs> uh, Sour Cream's response is, did you know 80% of Germans make a living as a DJ? Uh, it, it is to a viable career. Um, I want to tell an anecdote about this because oh, I don't do. think he's exaggerating about the population of German <laughs> DJs. Okay, go on. So I was in Hamburg for a work event a few weeks back mm-hmm. and we went out for dinner one evening and it was like a nice restaurant we were in. Yeah. The kind of place that you wouldn't picture to have. It would be like nice ambient classical music in the background. Okay. And the music's like a little bit more upbeat, but... Nothing that's really drawing my attention. Then I look to one side. There's a live DJ. <laughs> okay. There is a live DJ just... And he sat there for the whole two hours we were in this restaurant. He had his headphones on and he was just quietly DJing away in the that's, corner. That's interesting it's, culture that we don't he, have And he looked like he was like 19 in this upscale <laughs> restaurant. Like DJ, cool. live DJing yeah. in this restaurant. I, okay. So after seeing that, I'm like, look, even upscale restaurants have live DJs. I would believe that 80% of Germans make their living as a DJ. <laughs> because they just need DJs for everything over there. Yeah, everything has like DJs. Like boardroom meeting, gotta get a DJ. Yeah. I was like, I was listening to the music, I was like, why do you not just have like a CD that you play in here? Like, why are you paying a live DJ? <laughs> yeah, like, is, is he really like playing off the audience of people just start eating food? I don't know. Is he like reacting to the ambience of the restaurant as the evening goes on? Maybe. If Maybe. a bunch of people coming in from a party get in there, does he start speeding it up? <laughs> so, yeah, 80% of Germans do make a living as a DJ. What if, what if, sorry, I was just thinking, Go what on. if it's about matching it to the amount of people that are in there, so that if there's barely anyone in there, you slow it down, because people can take the time, and it looks like there's people in there. <gasps> but then if it's really busy... Is this the logic they use in supermarkets? Yeah, like the like, faster the music, the quicker you'll yeah, leave you the store. Yeah, you want to people up. Maybe that's what they're doing, <gasps> they like They do in the same setting. in restaurants in the UK, they just do it with CDs. Yeah. They play that's why they have with... a DJ. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Because, yeah, if you go into McDonald's, like, at peak time... Yeah, go at peak time, and they'll be playing... Um, like dance? Yeah, it's like dance music, just like, doof, 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 because they want you to kind of eat and get the yeah. hell out so eat there's room for the other people. Yeah, but if you go like, I don't know, say you go at okay. half past three, where it's in between yeah. times, they'll generally just be playing really quiet, really mm. slow music, because it's kind of like, take your time, we don't want our store to look empty. Restaurant yeah. science. Yeah. Um, so, after this, <laughs> Farty Marty returns. Now he's rich. Mm-hmm. And he's an asshole. He, well, we kind of already knew that. <laughs> now he's a rich asshole. Two other things before that. Oh, okay. yeah. One, sour cream can understand yellowtail. Yeah, yeah, that's clear from this Yeah, which yeah. is cool. But there's one thing when it seems like sour cream is mocking how yellowtail talks. Because he says he wants to murmur so much about it. Yeah, this okay. does come up like when Yellowtail leaves. He doesn't do his face into his face, but it does. <laughs> the sort of uh, if he wants to moo moo about it so much, it does have a mocking tone to it. Is it kind of the thing that kids do when they kind of like mock their parents' tone of yeah. voice, like oh, clean your room, clean your room? But if, as we have speculated before, Yellowtail talks like that because he's deaf, then that could be incredibly offensive. 
Possibly. I don't personally think that's what's going mm. on. But I, I, I like the theory that he's deaf, but also the more evidence we see, the more that kind of yeah, falls apart it's, logically. Yeah, it's kind of becoming harder and harder to argue. In on. my head, I still like that. Because we don't have a canon answer, that's still the reasoning in my head, mm. is I still head canon yeah, that. Yeah. But I, I would like The evidence to. really like gets weaker as we yeah. go on. Um, so... Yeah, Marty's an asshole still, but he's a rich asshole now. Um, he, Marty goes to hand Greg a letter at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, I forgot this. Like he's yeah. about to give him this. This episode almost never happens. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a very short episode. Just like cut straight to the end. There's your letter. Bye. The end. <laughs> we basically get an episode of like padding, and then. The letter appears P- at the end. Possibly, but like I love this padding because I really love the development we get here of sour cream and Marty <laughs> and sorry for the leaps my computer's doing tonight. Um, sour cream and Marty and their like father son relationship yeah. is really good character development that mm. I think makes both of them more interesting characters as a result. Yeah, and it, it is a follow-up to the whole Let Him Be a DJ line like, yeah. earlier on. It's, it's really nice to see a representation in media of someone living with a stepdad. <laughs> it's doing the thing, sorry. I apologise if you're listening and you're worrying that your computer is unplugging things. It's yeah. not, it's on our end. Yeah, sorry, I'll fix it before next time. Um, yeah, it, it, it's really nice to see a representation of child with a present stepfather and an absent father, mm-hmm. like biological father, and even though the biological father is an asshole, they're still sort of wanting to be recognised by them. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's nice. It's it's a good bit of padding. Mm. Um, so yeah. This is where we get our confirmation Marty is Sour Cream's dad. Like, Sour yeah. Cream calls him dad. Yeah, which we were talking about on the early one when we see him potentially about to conceive him. Yeah, yeah. It somewhat confirms our suspicion that, like, that was the night that Sour yeah. Cream was conceived. Yeah. Um, Sour Cream idolises his absent father due to his... Uh, I've, I, I've put here due to his successful music career. I don't know if I actually mean that, but he idolises his absent dad. Is that why he thinks that music is a viable career? Is it because he's looking up to a biological father with a successful music Mm, career? mm. I could see that tying in. It's the whole, like, I'm sure, I believe it was you who said it. It was like, potentially, he went into music to try and get his approval. Mm. Was that his initial reason for that? Yeah, that's my thinking, is that, like, we don't see much, like, between... Sour Cream's conception and now of Marty, but the picture I get is that Marty rolled through town once or twice enough that Sour Cream recognises him. Yeah, and sorry. Yeah, like Sour Cream knows the reason his dad isn't present is because he's off being a musician. Yeah. And maybe it's that thought of if I'm a successful musician, I can travel with him too. Mm. Isn't there a line about it being nine years since he saw him last? Yeah, because he says that we'll... Hang on, where have I got it written? Nine years of bonding. They're going to fit nine years of bonding into one special event. Yeah, so he'd have been a child last time he saw him. Yeah. Probably around like nine or ten. Yeah, I think there's also the when did you get so tall mm, about nine years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, I, I do think that that might, one way or the other, play into why Sour Cream wants to be a DJ is mm. this 
get the love of absent biological yeah. father, which is a pretty powerful driving emotion. Yeah. Um, Stephen points out that Marty throws really bad beat shows. In this, I wrote, he throws shitty beat shows. <laughs> yeah. Like, how much effort did he put into promoting Greg? Like, nothing? No, he literally just turned up and was like, okay, done, I'm going to go bang Vidalia. Yeah. Um, During Greg's show. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I've written down here, real talk times infinity. <laughs> um, oh, I, I... I know what I was referencing. Okay, cool. It's the fact that Marty uses the phrase real talk yeah. way too much in this. Okay. Like, to, He's clearly not being honest and he's overcompensating and keeps saying, like, real talk. Here's the thing. And I'm telling you this, real talk. Right, He just okay. throws real talk in, like, yeah. once or twice a sentence... For his whole speech. It is like he, he's in his marketing mode the whole time. He's trying to sell something. Yeah. Rachel's having a yawn, but she wants to say something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. The real talk conversation is all about manipulating sour cream. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, kind of like real talk. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, you, his language is really interesting in this episode because also he never calls sour cream his son. He calls mm. him his DJ. Yeah. He's very kind of distant he's not giving sour cream what he wants well he treats sour cream the same way that he treated greg yeah which yeah. is a cash cow yeah well it's like as soon as he saw greg he was like oh star child yeah because he's like i don't remember even your name mm. i just remember that it's... you used to wear a star on your clothes honestly it's a really depressing thing that a lot of absent biological fathers do is the oh, something good is going on in your life, now I'll show up. Yeah, I'm back. There's something that I can, like, that's going on in your life that I can show off to others or something. Mm -hmm. Like, my entire family does that with me. Yeah. When I went to uni, everyone was like, oh. It's it's the only reason my bio dad ever turns up is if if I've done something that he wants to show off to other people or if he wants to show off to me. Yeah, I was going to say, or it's the other way around and he does want to show off. Hey, Laura, here's all this awesome stuff that's happened to me. He's like, isn't that awesome? Okay. Okay, bye! Here's my Bahamas vacation I went on. How how you doing? Oh, oh dear. I have some baggage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, Marty is already wearing the Guacola shirt. And I think this is really important to mention because he's wearing the Guacola shirt from the beginning of this episode. We right. don't know that's what it is. It has a letter G and it's green. He's uh, wearing it the whole yeah. episode. Like, he's rolled into town ready to do more that's Guacola. That's what he's doing, yeah. That's why it's it's not, like, a decision he made when he found out his son was a DJ. Mm. He was already ready to... Right. So, from, right from the beginning, he's like, I can exploit him to do the thing I'm already here for. Yeah. I have what to say, I... Yellowtail watches from the sea, but he looks really concerned. Mm. Yeah. He's, he's watching Sour Cream and Dad from the boat. And I think we joked about this being... Mia, because <laughs> oh yeah, I went to see my bio dad recently, and mm. Mia sent me a DM or a tweet that was just like, "I'm going to be watching with a telescope, just to make sure you're okay." Yeah, yeah, just like you better not hurt us. I'm, I'm watching. Mia's lovely. Oh, thank you. You're lovely too. <laughs> uh, Stephen doesn't know how to do a mic check. Oh yeah, he thinks he's just like been like, "Yep, it's a microphone." It Drop. is a microphone. Mm-hmm. Mic it is checked in. He he was given more responsibility than his initial. I just want to like, I need you to push things. Yeah, and it shows he didn't actually know how to do more than push. Things. Well, yeah, because then when Marty comes over, the microphone's not even turned on. Yeah, he's like, "Is this thing even on?" It's like, boop. Um, did we ever mention that Stephen 
Again, he's shown to be incredibly strong. Yeah, he carries like I think it's like a speaker or something. Yeah, like, it's, it's all the equipment, and he like kind of picks it up one handed, and Sour Cream's like, "Whoa, you're yeah. really strong." It's another one of those quick moments. Just like, look how physically powerful Steven is. Sorry, I keep playing footsie with everyone under the table. That's huh? okay. I just figure it's flirting. Yeah. I hope oh, it's oh, not because oh. it's happening with me as well. <laughs> well, uh, well. I just want us to be like the diamonds. We are a, a three with an empty fourth space. That's Terrence. Did we murder the fourth? <laughs> oh, no, that's Terrence. That's Terrence. He's here in spirit. If you didn't listen to the Clogcast mailbag from last week, you won't know who Terrence no. is. But Terrence is the invisible fourth member of the podcast. Yeah, you should go back and I listen. I would explain this before I uh, started this, because I, I obviously wasn't present for the last mm. one. So, <laughs> you know who Terence is. I, I do now. He's the, the awesome one. Yeah. yeah. Um, Marty walks out on stage, appearing to go out as a hype man, but instead sells his horrible guacola. Mm-hmm. Um, there are attempts to pour it onto Doritos to see if it works <laughs> as a guacamole. Um, onion likes it. Yeah, which is another instance of like onion is different than everyone else. Mm-hmm. So, this is the drink that's avocados. Uh, yeah, this yeah. is the avocado yeah. so- soda. It's popular with millennials. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you pour it on your toast and it's like sparkling yeah, avocado toast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing that I really like, someone in the audience when... Um, what the hell is his name? Fatty Marty is trying to mm. introduce sour cream. Someone in the audience goes, it's some guy! Woo! <laughs> yeah, just, just really excited. Yeah, about this. Yeah, yeah. Someone's on stage, I don't know who it is. Get excited for the roadies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sour Cream speaks. Mama, 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 mama. Yeah, he does that. He slips into it when he's angry. Yeah. He, he, I, th- I feel like that's their way of hiding what was intended to be obscenity. Yeah. Oh, that would be kind that's of... That's what I that. thought that's as my well. my thought is... Like, this is meant to imply, like, he's, like, swearing, yeah. effing and blinding at his uh, his mm, bio dad, mm. but he's doing it in a way that doesn't cause swears to be in yeah. front of the audience. Okay, that's interesting. I read it in a, a different way, which may be me just going too far and making things up. No, go ahead. But um, I read it as, like, his kind of natural way to speak is actually to be like that. So when he's angry and he's not thinking about talking, Ooh, that's just how it comes that's out. That's a nice reading too. And then he catches it and he's like embarrassed because he's trying to cover I it up. I like that reading. Yeah, because... I took it to be like, you know, it's kind of like the kid that's embarrassed about their accent, so they put on like a different accent. Yeah. But then when they're angry, it comes out and then they're like, oh, crap. Well, Yellowtail will have been the one that raised sour cream. Yeah, exactly. Because clearly Fatty Marty wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, so that's what I was thinking. Um, Marty was only here out of legal obligation. Yeah, yeah, he's such an ass. Like, he says, what does he say? Like, don't say I never gave you anything. I did anything for yeah. you or something. Don't say like, I never did anything for you. You were legally obligated to yeah. do this. And he acts like he's doing him a favour. It's also really sad for sour cream, that, because it means that, like... Yeah, yeah. I'm it, only here because I had yeah, to give Greg it, something. It, it takes away any hope that sour cream might have had that his dad came because of him. Yeah, It's like exactly. his dad was coming, like... It required the law to get involved to bring his dad mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. It's just really sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Onion being the only one who liked the weird, gross yeah. waff soda. Um, it's like the mashed potato, which is the thing that his mum fed him. Because all he had in his plate was mashed potato when he made like that Stephen and then licked it. Yeah. 
does he maybe just like the texture of goop? That's what I think it is. I think oh, it's a because thing. we did <gasps> say before, like potentially we autistic spectrum disorders depicted in Steven Universe. Bing. I'm not going to bother editing it in this time. <laughs> I think our sing song was perfect. <laughs> but um, yeah, we said that he was weird with textures, and that's why he's so odd with food and won't eat. Like yeah, the chaps is, and this stuff is that more he steals from him and his weird texture thing. Yeah, that's a good point. He only likes smooth things, so that's mm. why he likes the black yeah. soda because it's like food but in drink form. Mm. Uh, Yellowtail brings Sour Cream's old DJ gear to the beach by boat and supports him in having his yeah. DJ night. He Yo. lets him be a DJ. Like he lets him be a DJ. <laughs> um, and Sour Cream in this exchange goes from calling him Yellowtail. To yellow dad, which to is just dad, yeah. and like to talk from some experience <clears throat> as someone with a slightly shitty bio dad and a pretty good stepdad. You know, I I feel like this episode is depicting a thing that I've been through, which is that moment of realization of like stop going after the approval of bio dad because it's never gonna happen. There's been someone who didn't have to be here but stayed here. Yeah. They've been a dad when the other person wasn't present. You know, they are dad. Mm-hmm. And it's that moment of, like, stopping thinking of a step-parent as a step-parent and being like, no, you're you're the parent. Yeah, you are dad. Yeah, and it. it's a really sweet, like, just few seconds of, like, he's like, no, let's be honest, you're dad. You looked after me mm. all these years. You were here for me. You are dad. Yeah. It's so sweet. He may be your father, but he ain't your daddy. That's a reference to something that you shouldn't mention because it's kind of spoilers. Ah! The film's been out a while. Um, um, one thing that I want to just mention, swiftly moving on mm-hmm. from that, um, what I've written down is he realises that YT, which is Yellowtail, me trying to shorthand YouTube. things, no, is his dad, despite not being his biological dad. Yeah. Also, can I just say, I love the term bio-dad. He sounds like a villain from, like, Resident Evil. It does! I keep thinking that. Here's the thing. When I... If I go to say the full word biological, I want to say father afterwards, because it doesn't... A biological dad doesn't feel right in my mouth. That sounds like kind of like a sitcom. Yeah. So I end up just being, like, bio-dad, and it does sound like like a (laughs) Terminator-esque, like... We have revived yeah. him. The bio dad has returned <laughs> like, to wreck that... his havoc on the world. <laughs> yeah, isn't that like the last boss in a Resident Evil game or yeah. something? It's it's a bio ha- the Biohazard Corporation revived someone's yeah. father and Biohazard he became dad. the bio dad. Mm-hmm. Um, stepdads support when bio dads are shit. That's a note I made, and I think that yeah, that's I understand. What that. this episode sums up as. Oh, and Greg gets handed $10 million. Mm-hmm. So Greg's rich. Just end. a very quick, like, oh, he's got $10 million, bye. Yep. <laughs> um, we should probably roll straight into 86, because 86 is very hot off the heels of the last one. Yeah, I'm good to roll into it. Are you yeah. good, Bretton? Yeah? Okay. Okay, so we've rolled straight into episode 86, Mr. Greg. Um... I, I do just want to say, like, a quick thing overall about this 10 million, uh, like, series-wide so far. Most shows that give a character this much money would have it all go away, like, in accidental circumstances to reset the board very quickly. Yeah, there's, like, a million shows that have got, like, the, oh, my God, that character's rich, and at the end it's, like, back to normal. Yeah, I I like the the, the line this show straddles, where... 
he keeps the money, but he doesn't use it for anything extravagant. He literally just uses it so he doesn't have to stress about work while supporting Stephen and the Jets. Yeah, because, like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but all I can remember is he uses it in this episode, and then doesn't he, like, buy or rent a boat? He buys a boat. Okay. Or rents a boat, and yeah. the boat gets damaged, so he ends up having to pay for a boat. I can't remember. But it was just, like, a small fishing vessel. It wasn't a... A cruise ship, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't get himself a yacht. Yeah. No. And I believe he pays for flights to and from Korea, or does he do that with um, the brother, the uncle? I can't. Oh, I think the uncle flies. But either way, like, they can afford to be in Korea for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, he does some things with it, but it's never... Like, he lives in his van still. Yeah, it's like he blows it all in a mansion. It's like, that's it, it's gone now. You could buy a house or a car. I guess that I can... But I've already got a van. So, yeah. The reason he's got 10 million is that Like a Comet, my favourite song in Steven Universe, got turned into a burger jingle for Pepe's Burgers. I love the burger From the, uh, from the moment the, beat, uh, the meat hits the flame, my stomach is growling without any shame, and I know in my gut that it's worth the five ninety five. Would you like a burger from Pepe's Burgers? Like, the song is so touching and so human. <laughs> and now it's about a burger. Yeah, and my favourite little bit of um, exchange we get is um, when it's like, oh yeah, this is the song that I showed, you know, I, I that I was playing when Rose fell in love yeah. with me. What a song about burgers. <laughs> like, no, it wasn't about that before. And it's pointed out, like, Rose would have loved this version just fine. And Paul gets pretty depressed about yeah. that, that realisation of... This stupid jingle about burgers still would have impressed yeah. Rose. Because Rose loves all that kind of humble yeah. stuff. And then Pearl has no patience for any of that. Um, this episode has a bunch of songs. Yeah, so like we were talking about this. Like I did not remember this is basically a musical episode. It's pretty much the entire episode is songs. It's like very... like I had totally forgotten because I was like, oh, I remember the songs and that's it. And I was like, surely these bits in between. But there aren't not, not really, really any bits um, in between. Yeah, like, I saw a while ago that this episode was nominated for an Emmy, I yes. believe. And, yeah. like, I was like, really? Why this episode? Yeah. And then watching it, it's like, oh, it's a really masterful, <laughs> like, musical start to Yeah, finish. it's perfectly paced. It flows together really well. It's really well yeah. animated. So, like, the first two songs very much roll into each other is Don't Cost Nothing, which is, like, important to bring up because it's reprised at the end, which mm, is... Mm. It's a really nice way of, like, completely flipping the tone of the song. It's like, yeah. hey, we don't need to spend money because a bright sunny day doesn't cost anything. What am I going to do with this money? I just need you. Yeah. Singing a song's fine. How am I going to spend this money? I don't know. I don't want a house. I've got a van. I could put you through college, but you're a gem. You could go on a trip to... Next song, Empire City. Any, I any... know a place that's always exciting. Oh god, me and Retta before we recorded were just singing these songs back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Empire City seems to be basically Vegas. It's Vegas meets New York. Yeah, it's what what is the phrase? Um, it they they mashed the mottos together, don't they? Yeah, you? it's it's the big apple that nobody never sleeps. never sleeps. Or something. Yeah. I'm not confident you know, that it is that. What happens in 
Empire oh, City, what to Empire City sleeps. never sleeps. That's it. Yeah, That's which is Vegas one. and New York. Yeah. yeah. What happens... I like how I watched you struggle before I stepped in and actually told <laughs> yeah, you the real I sat there like, ah, doesn't sound right, because isn't that just New York and New York? <laughs> Probably, but, you know, you could have helped us, right? Um, <laughs> but I wanted to see if you'd come up with it all on your own. That's fine. You're just like the teacher that wants to see so, the students figure it out for themselves. I'm like, got it. I'm just watching you to yeah. see if okay. you'll find your way there by we, yourself. We do get some geographical information about where Empire City is. It's seemingly where New York is because it's by Jersey, well, isn't it? Th- there's a subway that runs from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be within subway distance of Brooklyn. Yeah, because Brooklyn is in New York. Is it? Okay, yeah. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um Yeah, I, I believe because of Jersey and Brooklyn, it's New York because obviously Jersey is... Um, near New York, and they yeah. mention that Jersey's next to Empire City, so I believe it's where New York is. Okay, Empire City. Yeah. And let's bring Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just really tight on the end. It's just, and let's bring, bring Pearl. Pearl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like everyone's supposed to be kind of like, uh, okay, that's a bit random. Yeah. S- yes, Retta is waving. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, I think it's really thoughtful of Greg. Because he says, I'll put, I can put you through college. And when Stephen says, but I'm with the gems all the time, he says, I can buy you all the finest courses online. Because mm. it's like, I understand that that's a thing and I'm not going to tell you that education is more important. But if you want to, I can offer you a different solution so yeah. can, you can do both. Well, it's a tough job market and Stephen has literally no qualifications whatsoever. He can so. fly. I'm pretty sure that's like a, a marketable <laughs> skill. That's like his, um, his his CV. It's just like, I can fly. Okay. He's got to team up with Batman. I can fly. Mm-hmm. Magic shield. Play. Give me job. Oh, get a job as a doctor. You can literally cry patients back to hell. <laughs> yeah, just like, tell me about your I sad life. I like Stephen well, is cry. You'd have to yeah. lick them. I oh, think he'd get sued them. for harassment. I'm pretty sure Stephen could make an incredibly lucrative career as a licking doctor. That could work, yeah. That just walks in, licks people, and they're better. <laughs> it'd have to be like a witch doctor. I kind of want to draw he's, that now. He's squandering his, his ability there. I think that's one ability. It's like... Stop the gem stuff and go, like, heal yeah. everyone. How selfish, Stephen. You just sit around watching, like, TV when you could be healing people. <laughs> um, God. So, next we have Mr. Greg. Hey, shake, shake a leg. leg. Hey, shake a leg. It's, it's Mr. Greg. Greg. It's Mr. Greg. And, and he's, he's here to spend his dough all over the town. town. He's got the bucks. He's got the bucks. It's all deluxe. It's all deluxe. When you're finding out with me, it's the finest steak and brie. <laughs> yeah. And if I break a table, it ain't no one. Just bullets from my bank. <laughs> a hundred bucks? Gee, thanks. Yeah. So, D- Do this... we still get in trouble for like singing the entirety of a song? It's fine. We're not the actual singers. It's a, it's a parody oh, okay. cover. Okay, parody, yeah. Parody yeah everything comes in a parody. Um, Yay! So, yeah, basically, like, this song starts with Mr. G- with Mr. Greg getting looked down upon very much for his appearance. He does not look like someone that can afford a fancy hotel. Yeah. Um, he plops the money on the desk, and suddenly they change their tune quite considerably. The- it's like Pretty Woman. Is it? Yeah, it is like Pretty Woman. Good call. I had that film on VHS and I never watched it. He's Pretty Greg. For the younger people listening, VHS is like a DVD. It's like a DVD, (laughs) but it's a box and you have to like 
physically wind it backwards. Mm, it had magnetic tape inside Ooh. it. Yeah, if you put ma- magnets near it, it broke. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and sometimes it... it broke from being watched too much anyway. Yeah. yeah, didn't you have, like, what was it, Hunchback in Notre Dame or something that you, you watched that just turned to white fuzz? You can yeah, tell. Yeah, I used to watch it every single night and it just eventually just faded into fuzz. You can tell people's favourite bit of a film by which bit looked the worst because that's the bit they kept rewinding and rewatching. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pearl's not on board with this until the tailored suit, and that's her, like, I must admit it's a perfect fit. There's you look great in it. Yeah, those fountains I found wasteful are actually quite tasteful. This city's got its charm, unlike that, that termite-ridden barn. And any time with Stephen makes for a delightful evening. Um, and the song ends with Greg asking Pearl to just dance. Yeah, and she dance with me, just no. say, and she goes, No! So and she's like horrified. Well, I have a theory about <laughs> this the no. Song. Yeah. I have a, I have a theory about this no. <laughs> mm. It's fusion. Yep. It's That's the, what I got. It's as the connotations well. of fusion dance. I make that noise a lot when I. Like, that yeah, noise basically means uh, I didn't think of that. Just like. Uh, yeah, no, like my thought is that she's afraid to dance. She knows that Greg can't fuse, but yeah. it's still a thought of, I don't like you because you took Rose I don't want to do this very intimate thing with you yes because dancing was our thing and you yeah. took that away yeah it became Greg and Rose's thing instead yeah. and yeah mm-hmm. yes <laughs> sorry I just kind of wiggle my ha- arm around when I want to say yeah, something you composing but don't want to a song yes maybe? I am um, I was going to say I thought something today on the bus home from work, actually. Oh, very good. Um, that maybe Pearl is gender fluid. Okay. I've seen a few people posit this. She very much does like um, masculine presenting um, tailored suits. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's, there's multiple times when she does wear very, like, masculine presented clothes. And obviously, generally, she wears the, um, like, ballerina type thing. So I've seen the theory. I don't know if I agree with it, but I can certainly see where it comes from and I don't regret trading one that like has that headcanon. Yeah. We go straight from this into It's Over, Isn't It? Which may be the greatest song in this show. It is stunningly put together. You say that about nearly every song. <laughs> no, I say that about Stronger Than You, Like a Comet, and that one that Amethyst sings in the Fusion episode, the... the one where Sardonic's first time's maybe up. Maybe you're better off with her. Exactly. I've said it about maybe three songs, and this will be number four that I've said <laughs> okay, it about. Okay, that's not too bad. So, four isn't bad for a show with this many songs. I, I stick to my usual of uh, saying, um, what's the use in feeling blue? Remains my <sighs> favourite. I have a list that, like, cycles, and depending on what day you ask me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, a few things that I didn't notice about this song first. Symbolism. Um, yeah, visual symbolism. Um, Pearl's walking along that glass ledge using a rose as a sword. Yeah. yeah here's, here's the thing. Like, in the past seeing this, I totally got, like, of course, it's, she's pretending it's a sword. I never got... It's you never put rose. together, it's rose. Yeah, it's a rose. I ne- honestly, yeah. it's, like, rose, I never put rose, together... Rose, sword, rose's sword. Yeah, I never put that together until yeah. this viewing, like, because we were having to watch it critically. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's a literal rose that she uses... 
Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculously, that also, never Also, on top of that, I never tweaked before, at the end of the song, she throws away the rose. Yes. yes. To yeah. symbolise, like, look, yeah. I'm... Well, she says, this and is, now yeah. you're gone, and throws yeah. the rose. Like, I never picked up on the... That she's throwing away rose. It's yeah. like, you know, rose is gone, I should, I should move on. Yeah, and... that's it. You're gone. I don't have you anymore. So, start of this song, Stephen is awake, and Stephen's aware of this song that's going on, but mm. also Greg wakes up early enough to... Catch, catch what's going on, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go through the lyrics and just, like, hands up and stop me if there's something you want to talk about from them. Sure. I was fine with the men who would come into her life now and again. Yes, Ratta? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't go ahead. Well, that didn't last long. I was just thinking, does that mean that Rose will usually date human men? We have We have discussed it before. Because I was listening to it today at work because yeah. I was so, lonely. So yeah. what did we say? <laughs> I think we basically said that she's she's definitely bisexual, or at least that's yeah. the intent of the what we seem to get. Yeah. But that her preference seems to be human men and female gems. Yeah. She has a type. Yeah. Well, I guess that's because there's not male gems that mm. we know of. Um, oh. So yeah, it was fine because I knew that they didn't really matter until you. So presumably she took an interest in humans before Greg. Yeah, and Greg was the one she got serious about. Well, Greg it's the does. Whole, didn't, sorry, didn't cut you off. The whole, Greg um, does say sorry. to her, "Stop it, <laughs> Greg does um, say to her, "Have you ever been with another human?" And she said, "Well, she says, yeah. yeah. She says, yeah. Yes. She goes. Well, I was yeah. thinking, it's it's the um, I wasn't quite. I can't remember the exact lyrics. Expected to find you quite so entertaining. Yeah, it's like she's yeah. used to it's, having flings and like playing. She's not with used guys. to having like serious long term feelings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was fine when you came, and we fought like it was all some silly game over her, who she'd choose. After all those years, I never thought I'd lose. It is sad. It is." Like, yeah, well, it, it ties into what we know about her. It's that she was certain that she and Rose were going to end up together. Like, yeah. you can tell from that time, but Pearl was she, like, this is what's going to happen. She seemingly never made a push for it, though. She just kind of assumed it would happen and never made her move, well, is the impression I get. Well, she probably figured that she had all the time. Maybe. Yeah. Like, they don't die. Well, so. I, I, we've talked about this before, but like, I, I feel like she was heavily implying and Rose deliberately did not act on it. Yeah, I think you might be right there. I don't think it's so much that she never brought it up. It's, it's more that like Rose was just like, nope. Um, it's over, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it over, it's over, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it over. <laughs> so while this is all going on, most beautiful, stunning visuals in like all yeah. of this show are happening. Fantastic animation. Um, I have to say, um, the way that Pearl talks about Rose... Yeah. Is, it reminds me of the way that Rose talks about Greg. Yeah. And that it's, like, at the beginning, because it it's just, like, we thought, like, it was some silly game. Like, it's so possessive as well. Yeah. Kind of being like, who would she choose? Well, like we there's even more possession in the latter half of the chorus. Uh, you won, and she chose yeah. you. Like, she talks very much about, like, as if Rose was, like, a prize to be won. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's so possessive. Yeah. She chose you, and she loved you, and she's gone. It's over, isn't it? Why can't I move on? Like, up until this point, the song has been very aggressively, like, mm. anti-Greg. 
but she does acknowledge at this point it is her problem. It's, yeah. She isn't with Rose and she needs to accept that and she she's struggling with how to do so. Mm, I like it. it. It tends to focus back onto her being like, yeah, I acknowledge this is my thing. I need to get over. One thing that Pearl does say when she says, now I've got to be there for her son, she puts emphasis on got. Yeah. And that yeah. is a lot of burden to put on Stephen because he overheard Who it. Who's awake, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's not that I want to look after you, it's that it's like, I have to. Yeah. This is a thing I'm I'm. I'm I am burdened with looking after you. Yeah. If it weren't for Rose and Greg, I wouldn't have to look after you. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, it's the extended intro we always talk about. Pearl's line is, what, I'll fight in the name of Rose Quartz. And everything that she believed yeah. in. No, yeah. like, I'll fight for what I believe and what I would do. It's like, well... The Rose woman... wanted this, I guess that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I guess Pearl, so. Pearl missed home. She wanted to go home like, yeah, after as, Rose had gone. As we saw, but, yeah. yeah, she misses Homeworld. Yeah. War and glory, reinvention, fusion, freedom, her attention... Out in daylight, my potential. Bold, precise, experimental. Who am I now in this world without her? Petty and dull with the nerve to doubt her. What does it matter? It's already done. Now I've got to be there for her son. One thing that I do really like is the line of um, petty and dull with the nerve to doubt her. Yeah. Because it very much shows Rose as kind of like a dictator in a yeah. sort of way because it's, it's like I have the nerve to doubt her I sh- I'm not supposed to doubt her yeah. I'm supposed to just do what she wanted it does reinforce that whole idea that Rose doesn't really have any thoughts of her own as to what she she desires she is Pearl lived yeah. purely for Rose and she still does she still feels like oh I had the nerve to doubt someone who's not even alive anymore mm. it is it is tough to decomp- de- decompress. I was going to say decompose. Um, <laughs> well, she is dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is that is the bulk of, of the lyrics there. Yeah. It is it is the song that like holds this episode together. It's, mm-hmm. It is super just like emotionally open. Yeah. Like when I think of um, this episode, it's this moment on the balcony that I think of. Like to be entirely honest, I had forgotten that Mr. Greg was even a song. <laughs> I can't blame you. It is, it's a silly song as opposed to like it's always easier to remember the serious songs. Yeah. Um. One thing I want to mention that I yeah. forgot to bring up. Um. The songs in this episode seem to all be actually happening. Like, yes. Every single one is happening because like even the Mr. Greg song, like it stops suddenly yeah, they and the guy's like, "Boo! You ruined it." Yeah, you ruined the song. Here, like Stephen and Greg overhear the song. Yeah, these songs do physically exist within yeah. the world. And during the reprise, Pearl says, "What can mm. I say? It's catchy." Mm. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's referencing that earlier you were singing it, and I remember it because it's yeah. catchy. Yeah, inconsistency in this show's universe as yeah, to whether songs yeah. exist or not. Um, so, Greg wakes up and his response to that song is really sad. Nothing's going to fix this, is it? It's, it's really sad. Um, mm-hmm. And Pearl says she shouldn't have come. Stephen responds, this is exactly why I, why I brought you. I have written that it is very Garnet of Stephen to yeah. say that's why I invited yeah, I you because I, I thought this would happen. I knew you would fight and I that I needed you to fight so that we could get this out in the open yeah Yeah. it's just like you need to talk about it in order to move forward 
Because yeah. for Stephen's entire lifespan, it has not been talked about. They're just, it's just this topic that is totally banned. You don't talk mm-hmm. about Rose and anything before Stephen. Yeah. So, we move from here to Both of You, which is the last big song of the episode. And I noticed something which I pointed out to both of you, I believe. Yes, you um, did. I'm pretty sure that the visuals of this song are supposed to be about pink, yellow, and blue diamonds. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes. So, in short, Stephen is lit in pink. Uh, who's lit in which other colours? Pearl is blue. Pearl is blue, and Greg, Greg is, is yellow. yellow. Yes. I wrote it down because you'd mentioned it just before we watched the episode. And yeah. I was like, I need to make note of who is what colour right now. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll go through some of the lyrics and see what's significant, but like... There's a couple of things that stand out on that reading. Um, Pink petals fall in the middle of the song just before blue and yellow Greg and Pearl start crying. Pink rose petals. Yeah, I feel like is pink pink diamonds death and then both being sad about it. Yeah. Um, Right. Why don't you talk to each other? Why don't you talk to each other? Just give it a try. (laughs) Why don't you talk about what happened? I love the... Sorry, I was really yeah, trying to, I, I, trying to I, avoid it, but I don't know why. I really love this because, like, even just on the surface, this song is basically about the importance of talking. Yeah, it's about communication being vitally important. Yeah, it's, it's like if, if two people are upset at each other, it's like, just talk. Yeah. That's such there, an awesome message. There are quite a few episodes that are like that. Like, Here Comes a Thought is... Yeah. Talk it out. You yeah, need to like communicate. Yeah. yeah, You need to communicate what is wrong so that you can then move forward I, from it. I think the most important line of this in that reading is, "I know you're trying to avoid it, but I don't know why." Yeah, yeah. it's like you know, it's you know, in the long run, it's going to be better to talk about it. Just, just do it. Stop mm. ignoring the issue. Um, you might not believe it. You might not believe mm. it. But you've got a lot in common. You really do. You both, both love, love me. And I love both of you. I love I it's love that. It's so adorable. Yeah, I love it so much. Yeah, you both love me and I love both of you. Pink petals fall. They both start to cry. Um, Pearl looks very guilty at that like moment. Like Blue Diamond. Like Blue Diamond. Maybe Blue Diamond did it. <laughs> That's um, the official theory of the podcast. Yeah. <sighs> So here's here's the spoken word bit that again lends some credence to this whole diamond theory. Mm. Look, if I were you, I'd hate me too. I don't hate you, uh, but I knew how you felt about Rose, and I stayed anyway. That wasn't the problem. Then what was? She fell in love with you. Um, it's the whole it's, jealousy yeah. kind of theory well, we've got going also on. Also, Blue Diamond again, just saying. Yeah. yeah. Like she fell in love with you, that was the problem. Yeah. So remind me, Greg is yellow. Yes. And yes, so... <sighs> the idea the, being that Greg, yeah. Greg... Okay, so like, if we go along with the song, the idea would yeah. be that Yellow Diamond won Pink Diamond's affection, and in anger, Blue Diamond killed... Pink diamond. Yes. Right. And I like yeah. that. Mia's just like, right, let me but, let me get this theory yeah. straight. The What's problem, going the on? The problem was she fell in love with you. Uh it also goes on to impl- like it also makes the implication I stayed anyway, that maybe Yellow Diamond was hanging around near Earth. Yeah. During yeah. this time. Like, cause we've seen evidence of like one of the diamonds was hanging around near Earth at least. 
Yeah, I'm kind of curious about what's going on with that. Like, with the whole... The moon base looks kind of white diamondy, and Yeah. Who set the bomb off, and... Yeah. It is tough, but I think... If you're watching this this batch of episodes, watch it with the thought in mind of maybe blue, pink, yellow, diamond, because I think there's maybe something there. Yeah, I mean, even if we're um, reading it wrong, yeah. I think something... I think there's something implied. there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very specific three colours to pick, but mm-hmm. just just on the, the surface, re- going back to the surface reading, it is just a really sweet moment of Stephen just getting them to communicate and to talk about, like, hey, look, we both love the same person... Stephen bringing people together. Yep. Yeah. Stephen is good at empathy and knowing what people are feeling and how yeah. to help. But I mean, like, it makes perfect sense because across the whole show up to this point, mm. we have seen a huge division between the Crystal Gems and Greg. And the yeah. only reason they interact is Stephen. Yeah. So this song is kind of saying, like, look, there's this two parts of my life, Greg and the Crystal Gems. You kind of don't get along as well as I'd like you to. Why yeah. don't you talk and yeah. actually integrate? And- I, I think the the third verse is really is really sweet and telling because it goes back into that whole thing of Greg and Connie's friendship that's starting to grow. I know you both need it. Someone who knows what you're going through. Yeah. And like for both Greg and Pearl, Pearl lost Rose in the sense of like okay she picked someone else, but also lost her you know because she died. Mm. Greg lost her because she passed away. They both have undealt with grief over Rose's passing. Yeah, yeah. And that is right. a really nice common ground for them to be like, look, we the two of us probably understand better than anyone how much this hurts. Mm-hmm. We should probably be here to support each other. Yeah. And that's also why it's like the diamonds. Cause like, what's the use in feeling blue? Yeah, it's all about It's the, all about They both have grief over pink diamond yeah, and they're but... dealing with it in different ways. Exactly. They're both grieving, but they don't talk about it. Mm. And Yellow specifically says, what's the use in feeling blue? Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is the moment that starts putting Pearl down the path of moving on from Rose. And when we eventually get the episode with Mystery Girl. Like, this is the, the first steps to Rose being like, look, maybe I'll find someone different. Yeah. And that is a nice thing for her. So we get back in the car, Pearl starts singing Don't Cost Nothing in a nice reprise. Like, you know, expensive hotel rooms, those cost something. <laughs> Room with a view. That costs something. <laughs> Getting it wrong, don't cost nothing. Yeah. It's, it's all good. Um, it's, it's like they're all on the same page now. They're all I kind of to, laughing about it together. I have to say, though, um, in the, the Stephen song just before, when they dance because they do eventually dance towards the end of the song um again it's the thing where greg is doing the traditionally female role in the dance in that it ends with greg getting dipped yeah and he does the same thing when he's dancing with rose Rose, yeah yeah but it's it looks odd with pearl because pearl's so slight and greg's so heavy it's an interesting thing to note yeah um I think the most interesting thing about them dancing is just that it's Pearl being open to that kind mm. of intimate connection with Greg, and that's a really sweet thing. Yeah, yeah. Another note about the Greg being dipped. It's also the same as his alien pawn that he had in his... <laughs> um... He likes to be dipped by alien yeah, ladies. Yeah, that's what what's on to... the front of the alien pawn that was in his okay. storage locker. Was it Spirits of Xandar or whatever it was. It, it was something, something about Xandar. 
Because again, I was listening passion, to these ones passion today. Passion of Xandar. I think it, it was Passion of Xandar. Passion of Xandar. <laughs> I just feel ashamed that I remember the names of fictional alien porn. <laughs> I like don't remember anything about the title, so I'm impressed. Uh, I watched, watched, listened to the old podcast today at work, so okay. that's my excuse, yeah. and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> you um, did the homework, and that's right. <laughs> so my favorite thing is how this episode just like wraps and it ties it all back to it's over, isn't it? And Stephen's just quietly saying it's over, isn't it? While Greg and Rose have a a nice, pleasant chat in the car. Greg and Pearl. Greg and Pearl. What did I say? Greg and Rose. Greg and Pearl. I'm sorry. I'm bad at names sometimes. And it's tired. It's it's tired. We're tired. Yeah. It's late. Is what I was trying to say. It's tired, isn't it? But yeah, they're having a nice <laughs> chat, and it. I like that they end it by taking some of the, the motion, most emotionally charged words from the middle of the song. It's over, isn't it? About like, oh, I'll never have Rose, and reframing it as. This conflict is over. Yeah. This is a positive thing. Something bad is over. We've moved on. Yeah. It's a really nice reframing of a key line from the middle of the episode. Yeah, because he's smiling as he sits there. It's kind of it's a relief. It's like, oh, this is finally over. That we don't have this tension anymore. Yeah. Do we have anything else to say about this episode? This one point that I had that I didn't get mentioned. Um, it's not important in the slightest, but I wrote down, I'm a cherry man. Because there's a reference to the I'm a Cherry Man line in this episode when Greg is, um, when he goes down from the hotel room after Pearls on the song, there's the bowl of cherries and he says Cherry Man. It's a reference to the cherry jumper that he wore when yeah. Jake and Connie yeah. and Stephen back and he he's, comes he's, out of the van like, I'm a cherry man. Yeah, he's, so, he's a cherry man. That made me laugh because I like that right. line. Do we want to go straight on to episode 87? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. Hooray. And we totally didn't pause in between asking if it's time for the next episode and time to say yeah. It's, it's not like an entire day took place between that. Yeah, we didn't like sit and have a conversation about trans stuff in between or something <laughs> and sleep and have breakfast. Uh, episode, episode 87, Too Short to Ride. Um, Stephen gifts Peridot a tablet. It's like her old finger screens. It is adorable. Yeah, it's very thoughtful, isn't it? It's also an expensive gift, though. The hell did Stephen get that from? Uh, probably from, from Dad, who has $10 million. Yeah. So He probably did it, like, if he bought it for yeah. Stephen, he probably didn't expect Stephen to just give it to Peridot. So, like, I don't remember it coming up in the episode, but I saw it mentioned on Twitter or Facebook or somewhere that apparently it was a gift for Stephen that Stephen did not want or oh, need. Okay, cool. But that Greg was like, eh, I don't want this. This yeah. is sort of thing. Uh, I, d- I don't know what the evidence for that is, but mm. um, it would make sense as a pathway, but yeah, like, yeah. something like that. Or maybe his dad bought him a nicer one and this is his like, leftover Hand one now. Down, yeah. Yeah. That um, feels less special though. I got you a gift. It's the thing that I no longer need. Well, it still feels like a sincere sweet gift because it reminds me in a lot of ways of Peridot giving away the um, the tape recorder to Lapis before it broke in this yeah. idea of... Before it got broke by Lapis, the bitch. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> it's like, this is a thing that you might have a use for that I can see what applications it would have for you and like here's my sweet justification of why you might want this and it does really go gel well with her i think he mentions at some point like you can do logs on this too but they would be video logs <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's and, a replacement for what she's lost yeah like you can you can do logs on twitter you, you've got to keep it to 140 characters <laughs> <gasps> that's so many of like so many people <laughs> 
I do. I think she's thinking like you can have 140 different people in yes. a story you yeah. write in a log. It's fine because this. I presume this is the reference to the actual Paradox Twitter account. Yes, mm. that we we later we talked about at some point yeah. earlier, didn't we? Because I, th- I think it's no it's... longer active anymore, but I really want it to be. Sadly, yeah, it was active for a few months. But I wasn't. On, I wasn't aware of it at that point. I want it now. So Peridot moves her data logs over to Twitter, um, and she realizes this tablet's still not quite what she used to have. So she velcros it to her arm using her uh, what? What does she call them? Like self adhesive locking strips. Yeah, basically ruins a pair of shoes. Yeah, yeah. Stephen's like, good job. I don't uh, need. Those shoes anymore. Yeah, reference to him growing slightly yeah. after his birthday. Oh, his shoes don't fit anymore. Let me catch that. Um, and what I really like about like the the way of uh, the way that they present how much Peridot appreciates this gift is she takes the bow from the the wrapping paper and puts it in her hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's like a flower in her hair. It's the little yeah, bow. It's, from it's the so sweet. She like she it. Considering that she's like a very engineering type person, she's very functional and form related. This is one of the few times we see her do something that is not about form or function. It's this is a nice aesthetic thing that I. It's it's her appreciating art, the way that Stephen tried to teach her with music. Like, hey, appreciate things for their aesthetic, not their function value, yeah. even if they have no function. Which leads us eventually to the Meat Morps episode mm-hmm. when we get there. It's, yeah, and the Bataille. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. this idea that, like, Stephen trying to teach her music has got her to start messing around with little things like, maybe I'll put this bow in my hair. Mm-hmm. And it's really sweet. Yeah, that's nice, nice uh, development. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they go to the fair and Peridot is too short to ride. All of them are too short to ride, but Stephen and Amethyst can stretch themselves up and yeah. Peridot, Peridot doesn't can't. know how because it's looked down upon in gem society. Well, yeah, it's, she doesn't know how, and she's never thought about doing it because, as she puts it, her height is indicative of her rarity and importance. Yeah. So our small, like, if we discount the gems, uh, the uh, sorry, if we discount the diamonds, are gems that are smaller generally more important in society? Then why is Amethyst so small? Because well, wasn't she known as a defect? Perhaps it's a function thing, because Peridot are not meant to be fighters, are they? They're just engineers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe if like a Peridot is smaller, it's seen as a... I wonder if it's like... And this is a weird comparison. I wonder if it's like dogs, in that <laughs> like pugs were seen as like signs of status because they were useless, basically. Like, if you go back like, what, like 150 yeah. years ago... The idea is if you had a dog that was small and kind of like couldn't do anything physical, it was a sign of like um, status because you didn't need yeah, it. It was basically you can sit at home and do nothing. You don't have to worry about exercising yeah. the dog either because the dog sits and does nothing. So I wonder if it's kind of I, similar thing that Peridot is small because it's like she's, she's, she uses her brain. She doesn't need to do anything yeah. physical. So like if we take aside Amethyst because Amethyst overcooked and was too small and we imagine Amethyst at her intended size of like larger, as the later ones we see. Mm -hmm. Amethyst and Pearl are definitely taller than, say, Sapphire and Peridot and Lapis. And Ruby. And Ruby, and that's an interesting one because while they might not seem important, they are employed as basically the royal guard. Yeah. Like, they are the elite They are the red assassins. Yeah, they are the people that, like, guard the most elite (laughs) gems. 
it maybe maybe there is something to this idea of like the smaller a gem is the more important their place in society yeah i could see that other than mm. the diamonds. Like, the diamonds seem like the big thing that, like, throws that theory way out the window. Literally big thing. Yeah. Like, maybe you just have to be either the smallest or the biggest, not in the middle size. <laughs> that's, yeah. Maybe that, that's homeworld culture. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, Peridot can't shapeshift. Um, I like how she thinks that the sign is Funland. Like, they take yeah. her to Funland and they arrive at the sign and she's like, okay, this is Funland, it's just this sign. Yeah, yeah she was like... <laughs> Huh, this is cool. And it's just like, no, it's, it's, that's not what we this is. We have to go is. inside. Yeah. Um, Peridot instead decides to look up. Uh, she can't go on the roller coaster, so she, she looks up on Google what a roller coaster feels like. Yeah. Can we quickly stop for a second? And uh, why does Mr. Smiley just roll with the fact that Stephen has freakishly long legs all of a sudden for no reason? Um, <laughs> I think if you live in a town where the Crystal Gems live... You have to very quickly get used to the fact that sometimes what things won't make sense and you just have to roll with it, otherwise you will lose your mind. Also, it does say that he hasn't slept for like three days because he's had to be running everything by himself. <laughs> okay, so maybe he's just like, that That long person looks like Steven. I must just be sleep deprived. Yeah, that, that long person looks like Steven, but they're too long. They can't be Steven. It's fine. Um, so they go off to find something else to do because Peridot can't ride the ride. Mm-hmm. Shorty squad out. Shorty Squad, they're so... I, I love yeah. Shorty Squad. I like that that becomes like a thing, that they're yeah. Shorty Squad. I want to be Shorty Squad. You are very short. Yeah. We are so, not, so, so I'm afraid you can be Shorty Individual. <laughs> I can be with Smudge. That shorty Squad... Smudge Squad. Squadge. Squadge. <laughs> smudge Squad. Squadge. Anyway. And the Shorty Squadge. <laughs> Peridot wants a toy alien. Um, oh, it is... Like the alien undies. Yeah, it's like the alien undies that she wears. She she likes little green alien, which mm-hmm. is funny because she's a little green alien. Yep. Yep. But she wants the big green alien. She wants the big little green alien. Yeah. The green was kind of like her size. Yeah. I, I, I've thought about this a bit. she a friend? This is what I think, is that she's, she's lonely for her homeworld to some degree, and a green alien of about her size it just makes her feel a little less alone yeah, and it's it's I a really so. and it's why she's so grumbly about like the little finger one that she ends up winning is like that I can't give that a hug and feel <laughs> like I'm not alone <laughs> I agree so uh, they have to play a rigged ring toss throw onto the bottle game mm-hmm. very clearly rigged yeah like what the hell Mr. Smiley there's how, no way to win this yeah how dare you do this Mr. What a Smiley crook. yeah such a crook Amethyst cheats, uh, and Peridot only gets a tiny finger toy. And this is the start of Peridot's, like, annoyance this episode. Um, she she's she initially claims she's mad because Amethyst is disrespecting her form by shapeshifting. She very quickly acknowledges, like, look, that's not actually why I'm annoyed. Like, I'm, I'm annoyed because I can't shapeshift. Yeah. Like she's she's very introspective in that she recognizes that the reason she's given for her anger isn't actually why she's angry, and she corrects herself and like explains herself, yeah. which is a really good introspective thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's showing a lot of character development from what we've seen. I've got to correct myself, Mister Smiley. Hadn't slept in six days. Oh, okay, okay, that okay. that 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 explains it. That that changes everything. Um, well, it does. Can you imagine not sleeping for six days? 
Um, I think somewhere around five days you start having hallucinations. Yeah. Uh, if you actually research like the effects of sleep deprivation, yeah, you, it's kind of interesting. You can literally die from not sleeping. Yes, yeah. you can. Because you hit the point where you basically like have no identity anymore. You like don't even know who you are. You're so you don't know what you are. You're so yeah, tired. No, you it have audio, really audio visual hallucinations. You start like your memory completely fails you, and you yeah. have no idea who you are, what you are, what's going on. Yeah. Sleep deprivation is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Isn't like the record held by someone who was just like nineteen or twenty or something? I think so. Yeah, someone really young who had yeah. the record. And it was a very unpleasant thing that they had to recover from afterwards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh so we then get a montage of attempts to shape shift, including things like trying to physically stretch out a peridot and she's like, like ow, 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 <laughs> until she just goes, ow, 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 stop it. It's not a great way to teach shape shifting because let's be honest, most of the things that they try are just here. I shape shifted. <laughs> now you do it. Yeah, just do it. It's that easy. You, you. Don't shape shift, and then you do. Done. Yeah, like the only one that's any like practical help is what if we try and physically change your shape, yeah. which is not a good idea. But at no. least it's not like just just do the yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, that's what they um, what the crystal gems kind of used to explain to Stephen how to summon his weapon. It's yeah. like don't think about it too much, but you've got to try. But also don't try. And he was just kind of like, what the hell does that mean? How am I supposed to... Because yeah, he did... says to, to Garnet, like, so I'm supposed to try and not try at all. And Garnet just looks at him and goes, yes. <laughs> and it's just, like, I feel so like, helpful. I feel like a lot of the these ways of explaining how to do gem magic basically boil down to trying to explain a colour to someone that's never seen that colour. Yeah, like, it doesn't make sense. It's just them. instinct to yeah. Them. yeah. Like, I, I really do wonder like how much of them being so bad at teaching is because the rest of the crystal gems are really bad at teaching them. Yeah. Like, they've never had anyone effectively teach them how to do this stuff. We need to get some good mm. teachers. I bet Agates would be good at teaching. I think they're meant to be teachers, aren't they? Kind of like teacher they seem, drill sergeants. They sergeant. seem scholarly. Yeah. Like scholarly drill sergeants. Yeah. Um, so we get a little bit of backstory here as to why Peridot is the way she is. Apparently, new gems were being rushed out on Homeworld, ready for the war. Because of that, they were running out of resources, because they were making so many new gems. They were rushed out. Uh, That's the reason why Peridot was sent out with limb enhancers, because they have no powers. Because they're basically just... We we kind of undercooked some gems to get extra gems on on the ground and gave them limb enhancers to... You know, get them up to speed. Yeah. I figured the reason that she's so small, sorry, Mia, I kind of interrupted you, <laughs> is um, as I said, they were running out of resources. It's kind of like they have to absorb those resources in order to grow, kind of like a seed. Yes, yeah. I believe so. I think when the ground, they kind of suck out the nutrients. Yeah, that's what I figure, and that's why they constantly want to go to new planets and plant. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, that's, um, that's why they were going to like drain up the earth was to get its resources. Yeah. To, like, mm-hmm. to, in, to build gems out of. Well, there's not... all those liquid peridots in Earth. Sorry, Mia, we're That's just fine. talking over you One today. One day I'll make a point. <laughs> um, yeah, like, seemingly they're not colonising just to expand their kind of reach. It's because they have to to 
stay alive. Like they, they, to continue to create new gems, they're using up planets and moving to the next one, using up that planet. It also goes along with why the prime kindergarten looks really dead and desolate. Yeah. Presumably all the gems that were there just sucked all the life out of the ground. Yeah, because it's all just earth. It's not... Yeah, there's nothing left. There's no um, plant life or anything. Mm. There's not even like a sprig of grass on the yeah. floor. Yeah. yeah, it is just absorbing everything of value mm. from the earth to, to keep going. So, yeah, the attempts to get her to transform don't work and Peridot gets very uh, convinced that she's never going to be able to do this Um, and Amethyst has like a a real moment of sincerity being uh, when when Amethyst gets real um, let's have a look Um, does she have a real talk yeah I'm gonna be really real with you for a sec this whole time we've been here you've just been focusing on what you can't do Of course you're not having any fun. You think that all you are is who you could be, but we don't hang out with you because of who you could be. We like you. No. It's so sweet. It's lovely. It's so friggin' adorable. And it's a rare, really nice amethyst moment in that she can see other people's insecurities, and I think it's because she's so insecure herself. So much of that speech feels like she's talking about herself, this idea of, like, focusing on what you can't do. Uh, if only she could give herself this pep yeah. talk. I, th- I mean, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? Like, it is really easy to kind of boost someone up, and it's difficult to take your own advice, and I yeah. think that's kind of what's happening here. So, Peridot completely ignores this attempt to boost up her self-esteem. Um, she's just She doesn't want to hear uh, it. And Amethyst gets annoyed and goes to throw away her tablet because she's just sat tweeting. Which is angrily. really mean. Like, this tablet that Peridot clearly loves and Amethyst is just going to ruin Sorry, it. I'm laughing, but that's because it reminds me of a catfish episode where Neve's like, oh, can I look at your phone? And he grabs it and just tosses it into a lake. That is a hilarious episode. I it think. is. I remember that because the producer comes around and going, oh my God, we'll replace that. Don't sue us. Um, Anyway, carry yeah. on. Am- Amethyst says, like, it, when, as she's about to throw away the tablet, you don't need it. And Peridot's response is, you don't know that. Mm. It's this, like, maybe I'll never be able to do anything valuable. I need to at least have information. Yeah. Don't take away the only thing that makes me feel useful again. Well, she yeah. does say in an earlier episode, I don't know anything without mm. my screen. <clears throat> it just, yeah. it, it bothers me because, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but it reminds me of, like, the parents that are, like, you spend too long on the computer, so I'm taking the computer away. Yeah. It's like you, people who are struggling yeah. with who they are and what's going on can rely on technology as a kind of comfort thing. And yeah. taking it away is not going to make them better. It's like, just going to make them shrink further inside exactly. themselves. Yeah. And it's perfectly encapsulated by the thing that Peridot screams as the tablet is being thrown. No, it's all that I am. Yeah. It's the only thing she sees as like, her being herself again. Yeah. And we learn that Peridot has metal powers. Yeah, she's basically Magneto. Yeah. When she is in the correct emotional state and desperately wants it enough, she can control metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's quite like a random... De- like, how did you feel about this development? Because honestly, when I was first watching this, I was kind of like, okay, that's a bit random and out of nowhere. I'd... Fair enough. Well, is it really any more out of nowhere than Stephen just, like, running up to the house in the previous episode and suddenly he can fly? Well, the thing is, we're used to Stephen constantly discovering more powers, and he's, like, a new, like, half-gem, half-human hybrid. So I kind of, like, expect new things. But Peridot, like, I was like, 
In uh, I don't remember my my impression of it the first time watching, but in hindsight, having watched more in the show, it feels like a really good example of a thing we've talked about a bunch. This idea that breaking out the cast yeah, system. Yeah, gems. A lot of gems have a lot of abilities they aren't aware of because that's not the role they're designed for. They're never told they can do these things. Yeah. And if they just tried, they would realise they can do a bunch of things they didn't know, such as metal powers. <laughs> that would make sense for the... Can't talk. That would make sense with her being an engineer. Mm. Being able to move metal and things. Maybe so. the... Because what, what does she... She refers to herself as an Era 2 Peridot. Maybe oh, okay. the Era 1 Peridots can do that without even kind of having to think about it. Maybe. And because of the lack of resources, it's why it's not incredibly strong and it's not so prominent that they are made aware yeah. of it. It's This is the first real example we are shown of a full gem learning that they can do something they didn't know they could do. Yeah. And we see more of it as the show goes on, definitely, but this is... This is a bit of a standout in that it is the first time we really see something like this. Yeah. And it's put to use... So that Peridot can win her alien toy and give it up for the shorty squad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she cheats to win, but the game she is rigged. She does it so uh, slow, though. It's adorable. Yeah, it's okay. she's, she's yeah they kind of like wobble as they slowly go towards it. Yeah. I have to say one thing about the alien toys. Yeah. All of the aliens have a gem in their belly button. They do. Oh. Does Where is Peridot's gem? Hers is on her forehead? Yes. Okay. We think... Uh, I would quicker in a comment while we're talking about Peridot's head. Is this the first episode <laughs> where it's kind of revealed that that is hair? Yes, that her head solid. isn't diamond shaped. Yeah, because Mr. Smiley kind of like grabs her hair and you see it kind of like ruffle a bit. Like, I, I always assumed that was solid, like a solid I always, I, d- I never even noticed yeah, that. Yeah, it's hair. That's yeah, hair on that's, her head. She's tall enough until Mr. Smiley pushes the hair down. It's like, no, you're not tall enough. Oh, I remember, yeah. yeah. I never thought of it I mean, as it being makes hair. sense. Like, Garnet has hair. So Bill has hair. I, like, I, have, has hair. I have a theory about this. She's, she has deliberately designed her hair to be diamond-shaped because she looks up to the diamonds. I agree. I and think her hair is yellow. Like, she's a green gem, but she has yellow hair that's in a diamond shape because she looks up to <laughs> yellow diamond. Yeah. And she works for yellow diamond. Yeah. Like, she's Like, just... she has a yellow diamond on her uh, chest area on her clothes. Mm. So with that, is there anything else we want to say on that episode, or do we want to go on to our last one of the, of the day, the new Lars? The only thing we skipped over that I thought was kind of amusing is I like when Peridot is on her tablet. There's a thing that says, um, find new roommates in your areas, mm-hmm. and she says, I'm set, thanks. It says, find cute roommates in oh, your okay. area. Oh, that's more interesting. So I think, obviously, that's a reference to Lapis. Yeah. It's like, well, I've got a roommate already. Yeah, she's like, mm, no, I'm set. I don't I've want already anymore. got a cute roommate yeah. because she's totally gay for Lapis. I agree. That's going to happen. Hell yeah. yeah. I can't wait to see that fusion. Episode 88, The New Lars. That was a very abrupt transition, <laughs> but I wasn't sure how to do it. So I was just like, it's I'll, fine. I'll it shout an episode and we'll move on. She's <laughs> uh, like, I shall interrupt you and start the new episode. <laughs> Okay, so the Big Donut is having a day off. The staff there are having a day off, and I don't remember what the context for that is. I can't remember, so they're I'm not wrong. They're not going to be at work the next day, and that's There are goals in the vents. They're clearing oh. out the goals from the vents. Okay, I, I knew there was something that went on. I just put the Big Donut day off. <laughs> I've, I've literally written two things. Goals in the vents is the second one. The first thing is sloths eat poop, question mark. 
Oh, Stephen was having a, 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 a fight of which animal is better, koalas or sloths. Um, and sloths, like, apparently have to go down to the ground once a week to poop and they're very vulnerable. And presumably he also said about them eating their own poop. Yeah, it's just, I have literally just written sloths eat poop, question mark. This is what happens when we record a week after we watch the episode. Yeah, I'm just like, not quite sure what I was getting at there, but okay. That's fine. It's fine. The the key point was like, there was a competition, which are better koalas or sloths. And Stephen had like brought a, a whole like big paper mark board to like be like, Hey, let me let me flip over this next page of the chart to show you yeah. why you know. Let's do our research. It needs to be evidence based. Yeah, um, Sadie invites uh, invites Lars over the next day for their day off. Lars says, "No, I'll just go see a different friend." That's so needlessly harsh. Yeah. Like you could just be like, "No, sorry, I'm busy," but it's like. No, I don't have any plans, but I'll make plans with someone else. Yeah, like, you're not good enough for me to spend the day with. Yeah. Like, Lars is an ass. It's deliberately dismissive, and to, I, I I get the impression he's just trying to play hard to get. He's trying to do the, like, uh, you know, I don't have to see you to, to like, be unavailable. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's some weird stuff, especially in this episode, around their relationship, and it does seem like Lars does like Sadie, but won't admit it to her. He's, yeah, he's... Lars has a lot of issues, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of built-up stuff going on um, of not wanting to show... I, I, I don't know how much of it is not wanting to show affection because affection is seen as weak. Yeah, and I think so. I think that's a big part of it. Um, Stephen is convinced that Lars loves Sadie, which I'm pretty sure we're all, like, fairly convinced of this. <laughs> Um, and you're gonna of, get married and have kids? It's fairly rude of Stephen. I think he's very pushy in this episode. He is. He also assumes that they're both straight and gunning for each other. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's how heteronormative Stephen. Yeah, stop being so heteronormative, Stephen. No one judged you when you wore a dress on stage. Don't be be assuming everyone's yeah. straight. <laughs> um, Stephen goes to sleep and accidentally jumps into Lars's body, and there's no real reason why he just. I think it's does. because he was thinking about Lars when it's, he went to yeah, sleep. Yeah, it's similar to it's his watermelon and like um, lapis mind power thing. Yeah, you Clearly think of he, something, you kind of act. Does he just have then. to like very consciously not think of anyone when he falls asleep? <laughs> Apparently, now? yeah. Like, oh great, I thought about this person now. Can yeah. you imagine if he did that with Connie? Just like. Oh, I want to see Connie tomorrow. The Beast of Oni. Oh, wait, I'm Connie. <laughs> the Beast of Oni. Yeah, kind of. Kind of, but Connie wouldn't be conscious. Yeah, it's kind it's of really a dark creepy. Power. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, the first thing Stephen says when he jumps into Lars's body and realises what's up, I'd better respect his body and his privacy. Which is awesome. Transman Lars, cough, cough. <laughs> Can... Does does this mean that Stephen can do that with other gems, or is it just humans? We've not seen. He's communicated with other gems. So I I have a theory about this. Sure. He can mentally communicate in his dreams with other gems, but he can't inhabit their bodies because their bodies are just light projections. There's no mm. physical mass. Whereas with humans, there is physical mass to inhabit. Yeah. Therefore, he sense. can end up in the body. Yeah, I would agree with that. That makes sense. Is that the same way um, Rosie's army works? Because obviously you can control the uh, Watermelon Stevens. I don't 
think so, but that's just my theory. I just think it'd be sort of dark if Rose basically mind controlled a bunch of humans to die. No, no, no. I don't mean with humans. Okay. I mean like with her lions. Oh, possibly. It's still pretty dark to oh, like yeah, mind to control them to their death. Well, that's what we know. At least one of them died. <laughs> And Stephen does do that for his watermelon, Stevens. Well, he he takes control of one and convinces the rest. He doesn't use his powers to convince the rest. Cause, only because yeah. he can't control them all, though. I don't think so. I think he still would have tried to convince them rather than trying yeah. to mind control the whole lot. Mm. But Stephen's nice. We don't necessarily know that Rose would have done that. Yeah, that's, that's a fair assessment, I think. We don't know that Rose was nice. <laughs> Um, so Stephen goes down, he puts the heart earplugs in, which um, his mother very much comments on in a second. Um, his parents call him Laramie. Who's Laramie? Sorry, Lars. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. that little exchange speaks to a history of him being misnamed. Yeah, again, cough, 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 Laramie is a, is a multi-gendered name. You can have people of any gender referred to as Laramie and cough, 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 trans man Lars. When Stephen wakes up as Lars, there's a pervy magazine on his face. Possibly. And he's naked. Poss- I, I, I don't want to know I, what Lars I, was I doing when he went it to like sleep. That. I saw this as being like a kind of, you know, there's like those film magazines that kind of like... Well, there was a most naked lady on the front. Just I then. did have my momentary wonder of like, did, did Lars fall asleep like jerking <laughs> off to porn? Yeah, oh, that's um, what I thought. So <laughs> he's also very naked. Just saying. So, yeah, his his mum points out like, oh, I'm so glad you're wearing the heart shaped earplugs I got you. Um, mm. And the the trans man Lars theory on this is those were a gift for Lars, which Lars did not want to wear because hearts are feminine. feminine and yeah. Stephen's like, oh, these are nice. Yeah. Without thinking of the potential connotations, connotations of yeah. them. There was also a thing where his mum says, how are you feeling? And because it's obviously Stephen, he goes, uh, taller. Because yeah. <laughs> he's not used to being that tall. Uh, the cool kids prefer nice Stephen Lars. Because he has fun and does a silly dance and he's... Mm-hmm. And they just they just go with it. It's yeah. kind of sad because it's another instance of Lars really wants the approval of these people and they only approve of him when it's not him. Yeah, like this, the ending of this episode where, Steve, where Lars does have this moment of like, I wasn't me for a whole day and no one noticed. It, it, you, you preferred it even. Yeah, it's quite is, sad. That is, it is sad, and it is, I think, a big part of that catalyst for for Lars's eventual like. When when we next see Lars, it's when he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna bake a cake for the cool kids party." Yeah, and he, he's showing a bit more of himself. Yeah, he's trying to be a bit more like, "Let's just be a bit more me." Um, yeah. So Stephen Lars refers to himself in the third person as like, "Oh, Lars would love that," and. Buck goes along with it. He's just like, Buck thinks that's very cool too. <laughs> yeah, he just picks up on it like, yep, okay, that's a cool thing. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Lars decides to go see Sadie for the day because that's what Lars refused to do. This is where it gets incredibly horrible and creepy. Oh, sorry, Retta has a point. Please go ahead. Rewind a little bit. Okay, we'll back um, up. Kiki, when she sees Lars, seems disappointed. And I think she might actually like him because she doesn't want to see him when she smells like fish because she's been working in the pizza place. Maybe. 
That's what I got. That wasn't my read, but I would accept that. I would accept that as well. Anyway, where were we? Yeah, things go downhill when... <sighs> See, this is your... Yeah. I hate this bit because, like, Stephen seems to have no sense of this being... Inappropriate? Some, a horrible yeah. kind of... What's the word? Like... A breach of trust. Yeah, and boundaries. Because yeah. he seems to be kind of like, I want them to get together, so I'm going to get them together. I didn't take it as I want them to get together. It's, I think they want to get together. Was the read I had was... He thinks he's doing them a favour. Yeah, the read I had was, Lars wants to be with Sadie, but is too is too scared to go for it. Therefore, I'll help. Yeah. I'll help Lars sense. get what he wants. That and then he'll sense. like me because I helped him. Yeah. It's a really immature view on it, but I can see the logical steps that take him there. Right. Yeah, okay, so he thinks he's helping. Yeah, like, he thinks he's helping because he thinks, like, this is what Lars wants and Lars will be happy if, like, I can get him past that nervous starting stage and he'll be okay. Mm. Um, Also, like, there is the awkwardness around the fact that, like, this is quite a young kid in in this body... Yeah, there's like when, some like light sexual tension going there's on. There's also been suggestions that they've had sex before. Yeah, I'm not convinced. I know that a lot of people th- think that's a thing. I'm not convinced that's what he let me be his player too. I'm not convinced that's what it applies. I I know, I, know I'm I, I still game. remember like I. I don't know for certain, but that Player 2 episode, like, the impression I got was that, like, the subtext is, like, they bang. Yeah. See, I had the very, like, PG interpretation of, like, oh, they probably had a nice night together. Oh, Maybe you're they- so innocent. <laughs> Maybe they fell asleep cuddling or something. Like, that. that's what I think. You poor innocent fools. So, um, <laughs> they go down into the basement and Sadie expects Lars to pick a terrifying horror film. One thing. I just want to say it's really cool. When Stephen Lars turns up at the door and Sadie says, the human boomerang always coming back to me. <laughs> She's got some good self-confidence, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, given this list of horror films that Stephen is expected to pick from as Lars, he basically picks Twilight. Yeah, well, we know from the Lighthouse episode that like Stephen doesn't like horror, but Sadie and Lars do like horror. But we also debated that he was sitting behind the couch because he's banned from TV for 10,000 years. That's yeah, cool. but as as evidenced here, like, he yeah. also doesn't like horror. I wonder, like, if he... I wondered if he went for the romantic one because he's trying to, like, build this romantic kind of atmosphere. I, I think that that's not what he was going for, but that's how Sadie reads it right, later. Okay. I'm with Laura on that read. Yeah, I think he um, just picked the thing that he would like... <laughs> That is not horror. He liked the um, 50 pages on a wedding cake. In- yeah. That's true. Stephen does he, like romance. He likes schmaltzy romance. That's the word. I couldn't remember the schmaltzy. word that they use. Schmaltzy. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly think it is like, it's mainly that. And Sadie has the same interpretation as you when she thinks like, oh, Lars picked a film that's really like not what he would normally watch. Mm. Oh, he's picked it because he's trying to set a romantic mood with me. And yeah. Yeah. So... Sadie worries that Lars is embarrassed to be seen with her. Hence, you know, saying no to her, to seeing her in public, but visiting her in private. You act like, I don't know, you don't want to be seen with me. Yeah. Because she says you act one way in private and another way in public. And it's an understandable thing for her to feel, because in public he was like, nah, I'm going to go see other people, and completely dismissive, mm. but then turns up at her door. It's it's real mis- mixed yeah, messages. Definitely. 
And, like, I can understand how that'd be really upsetting to try and understand, like, why are you like this? Yeah. Um, Stephen Lars declares his love for Sadie. <laughs> and Sadie then puts together what you were just pointing out. Were, were the heart-shaped earplugs and the love films just a cheap love play? I like that this doesn't work. And yeah. somebody yeah. gets angry. I think that's good and important. I I think it, it is because, like, she... I think she likes Lars. Yeah. But she likes Lars for who Lars is. And she she wouldn't want to go out with Lars on the pretense of, like, I am Lars being who you think... Yeah. I think you want me to be. It's like, no, be be yourself and that'll be fine. Yeah, she knows something's wrong. Just be yourself, but nice to me mm. and that'll be fine. But she's like, no, you're, you're, you're trying to like put in the, the required number of like love tokens to be like, <laughs> I did these many romance things. Yeah, you, no, it unlocks you, a relationship. Yeah, I unlocked relationship <laughs> points. Mm. She also might think that he's trying to get into her pants. Yep. That, Yeah. I know that's a bit adult for Steven Universe, but that's... That's that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Um, so Steven then admits he is, he is not Lars, um, and says sorry for what he's done. And Sadie says something really friggin' sad, which is, Lars would never apologise to me. Yeah, yeah that's the reason yeah. she knows that it's Ma- Maybe you are Steven, Lars would never apologise to me. That's and sad. that's, it is really sad. It, we get so much insight into these two's relationship from seeing it from an outside perspective. Mm. Um, they go and wake up Lars, uh, who is inside Steven's body, um, asleep in Steven's bed. See, is Lars inside Steven's body, or is Lars just still inside Lars but dormant, and Steven has to wake up to be transferred back into his own mind? I don't... No, because that's the way I read yeah, it. Yeah, I couldn't understand which way around. I, it was I meant read to be. it that like Stephen doesn't swap bodies with anyone. Stephen basically invades someone's mind, like kind of like sends them to sleep, and then he takes over. And then to get out, because he doesn't know how to get out, he has to wake himself up. Because once he's awake, his consciousness snaps back into his body. Leaving I Lars had never thought up. of it that way. The assumption I had had was. That he that he swapped bodies with Lars and Lars because he's like a teenage boy just kind of hadn't it's like it's past noon and he hadn't woken up yeah. yet. That was my read, but yours does make more sense. Because if if it was that case, wouldn't the watermelon Stephen therefore have inhabited Stephen when he took over? Yeah, you, you make a very good point. Okay. Like my assumption there was like maybe I don't know. Watermelon Stevens don't have as complex a consciousness, yeah, yeah. and that's why that wasn't the well, case. I mean, but I think your your yeah. reading makes the most sense. Okay. Um, so Lars is horrified that Stephen was running around as him all day. I was acting different all day, and you all just liked it. That must be a horrible realization. It's, yeah, just like oh, you like me better when I'm not me. Especially for someone like Lars, who does crave approval from the people around him. Yeah, and doesn't get it. It is a real. I feel like it is a real catalyst to self change in that it is his realization of the way I'm trying to act is not making people like me. Yeah, because it's a forced act. These yes, on. this this like forced cool act. Yeah, isn't making people like me. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really sad. Also, it's kind of sad that his parents had been preparing for the day that Lars would commit burglary. Yeah, and not, not 
when we were reading notes before, I misread my notes as that Liza's parents were prepared for the day that Liza was going to become a burger. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what happened? Because <laughs> like, yeah. I know it's been a week since we watched this episode, but I don't remember yeah, I that don't, happening. I don't remember burger Lars being a thing. <laughs> yes, burglar um, Lars is a thing. Oh, burglars. Burger Lars. Burger Lars. Is that his fusion <laughs> when he fusions with a burger? Yeah. Burglars. It looks yeah. awesome. Or lager. Ha! <laughs> Not a bit lager. Well, it depends where you put the air. Yeah. So <laughs> we we end anyway. Up, we end we kind of end the episode back in the big donut, and we mm-hmm. get like quite a sweet exchange from Lars where he does have this moment of introspection. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like S- Stephen apologizes, saying, "I hope I didn't ruin your friendship with Sadie." And Lars clearly cares about that. He responds, with Sadie, oh, what did you say to her? And Stephen says, I I said you loved her. And Lars excitedly slash nervously asks, and what did did she say? Like, he clearly, like, is invested invested in the outcome (laughs) of that. Um, Stephen says, you thought, she thought you'd only say something like that to hurt her. And Lars says, yeah, I guess she's right. Maybe that's why everyone liked the you me better than the real me. And Stephen says, not everyone. And we get this realisation that Sadie doesn't didn't like Stephen Lars. She likes mm. Lars Lars. Yeah. And yeah, it's good to see the real you. Lars opens up and says, you know, you should come over later, bring a movie to watch or something. And... They just they just have a nice exchange and it's like oh it's a nice ending but I honestly do not like it because I don't think it's deserved because I think that what happens at the end is almost this kind of like well Stephen invaded Lars's mind and did all this stuff without consent but it worked out in the end I, and I don't think it should have worked out in the end I think Stephen should apologize I mean I know it's a cartoon and no, like it, I, it, it does I, bring I, him a card though to apologize I don't know I feel like he gets away with it too much I agree with you that um, I think Stephen gets away with too little repercussion in this episode yeah. but like ignoring the lack of Stephen repercussion and just focusing on the development of the Lars and Sadie relationship, I think that that is earned. Because okay. I, I, my reading is that, like, I think Sadie has her realisation of, I don't want Lars to suddenly be someone he's not. I like Lars for who he is, and, you know, I'm aware that he's not good at opening up, but I wouldn't want him to suddenly swap and be this totally different person. I wouldn't like him if he, yeah. if he was not him. And Lars has his moment of, I, you know, people generally prefer me when I am, you know, being nice and not being an asshole to them. And I wonder why. He also has his realization of like, Sadie views me as someone who would only do something nice to hurt her because, like, I am acting like a jerk to her and, like, I need to fix those things. I need to not be so dismissive of her in case I lose her. And they do both have their reasons for, like, coming closer as a pair. Steven Universe, bringing people together. Yeah, like, it's it's not a perfect relationship by any means, but I think there is definitely groundwork to explain Lars being open and being like, hey, I would like to spend some time with you, you should come over, Mm. as opposed to, like, 
being like, oh, what do I care? And Sadie being like, yeah, you're rough around the edges, but I like you for who you are. It's a moment that I do like on its own, and I do think it's a long time coming, but I just initially felt a bit iffy about it coming here when how it was achieved was so skeevy. Yeah, I I agree. There's not enough repercussion for Stephen here because Stephen did, like, a really shitty thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, you you wake up in someone's body, you, you know... You you're, in a, you're in a town where people are aware magic shit happens. <laughs> like, you can prove that you're Stephen. Don't, like run around all day pretending to be lost. Yeah, because he that's what he essentially does. Like, yeah. He, he never tells It's identity theft. Him. Yes. That is a crime. Is. Criminal Steven. It is very effective identity <laughs> fraud. One thing that I just want to mention real quick, um, when Stephen says that he spent the day with his mind in Lars's body, Lars looks down to, like, as if he's looking at his genitals. For yeah, that. he is horrified. It's a big part of why he's horrified. Trans man Lars. <laughs> I we we talked about a lot of this I think in the trans man last yeah, discussion we had, we had episode for it which I think we yeah, did a good we job we did of, which but... again I watched at work listen to it at work listen to it at work <laughs> yeah I am tired leave me alone <laughs> point point being trans man Lars trans man Lars trans man Lars mm-hmm. <laughs> trans man Lars and with that we wrap up this episode of the Crystal Clodcast. Yay. Thank you very much as ever to Mia and Dretta for being on the show. We Yay. should do self-promotion. That's a good idea. Mia, where are you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at omiagod. I also have a blog website which is miaviolet.com and I'm also on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash miaviolet. And Dretta, where are you on the internet? Oh, sorry, daydreaming, drawing the cat. Um, I am at Supareta on most places on the internet. Woo! Uh, I can be found at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. And as a reminder, we currently have a fan art competition oh, going yeah, on. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the that. The Meat Mort Meat competition. Uh, up until 9am uh, UK time on the 9th of July, we will be having a competition open. Any fan creation submissions, any meat morphs mm-hmm. you make, it could be a photoshopped meme, it could be a haiku, or yeah. a, someone sent us a fan fiction this week. <laughs> That's uh, the day after piece, my birthday. Like a fan art, a song, whatever it is. And we will randomly select one person who's has sent us a fan creation, and we will send them the physical notes that we make Clodcast with, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, th- this isn't a contest based on ability. It's completely random. Yeah, it's, if you send us a thing, you'll you'll have just as much chance as anyone else. Yeah. Like, you could send us a stick figure comic and you would have just as much of a chance mm. as anyone else. It's We talked about it and that seems the most fair way it to It seems in the most, the most in the spirit of Meat Morps. Yes. <laughs> you know, Meat Morps are about self-expression. Exactly, so. everything's open to interpretation. Yeah, so Meat Morp competition going on until the 9th of July, 9am UK. We will send these out Anywhere in the world that they are one from, I'll work that out when we find a winner. <laughs> yeah, we'll worry about that later. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll have another episode for you again next week. Bye.